Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Good morning, church. Good to see you. Let me just say from the outset that if you think I'm jousting Kyle Walters without y'all having to pay something, you got another thing coming. <laughs> right, Kyle? I mean, if we're going to joust, brother, they ought to have to pay for that kind of entertainment, right? It's probably better than the UFC fight last night. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a great time on the 31st. I hope you guys will come, uh, bring friends. It's just going to be a wonderful time for us to come back together and to fellowship and just enjoy one another's company. And those of you who are new uh, to our church body, maybe within the last year or so, uh, these types of occasions, we do this so that uh, you can get to know other people in the church and start forming relationships and friendships. It's also good to do before... Uh, we kick off the new ministry year because, you know, one of the big things we start doing in mid-late August is we form small groups for, that meet in homes for discipleship. And it's at events like this, as you meet people, you know, as you interact with those that you maybe don't know, make sure you ask uh, folks, are you in a small group? And maybe this can be the, the opportunity to kind of get to know someone and say, hey, I think I'll visit their small group and, and see if there's a place there for us. So I hope you come on the 31st. You know, through the years... I've had a lot of people uh, come to me for different reasons, uh, for counseling. Uh, I, I bet if the top categories, they are you know, marriage, children, jobs, and sin, right? Those are probably the top, top four. And that last one, sin, is normally in the other three in some way or another. Uh, you know, sin, through the years, the, the number of people who've come to me about a struggle with sin, I can't even count. Uh, and, and it's interesting how there's oftentimes a similar kind of backstory. Somebody comes to Christ, um, he changes them, and there's this new zeal, this new energy, this new excitement to be worshiping God and serving God, and, uh, and, and their life has gotten better, and it's just a different outlook. And as they, as they learn more about God, and as they sit under the teaching and preaching of God's word, they begin to grow in Christ, and then at a certain point, they, they become convicted because, hey, I, I still do X, or Y, or Z. They, they still struggle with sin, and you know, they try hard to get victory over the sin, and it doesn't happen, and 
So maybe a, a mentor, somebody in their uh, discipleship group uh, will tell them, you know, they talk to them about it and say, well, what you need to do is you need to start reading your Bible every day because the Holy Spirit needs that word of God within you to help guide you, to help teach you what is right and wrong, good and and righteous versus that which is evil and wicked. And so he begins to, or she begins to read the Bible. And, and maybe the, the, the advice was, hey, spend time pr- in prayer. Every morning, start time in prayer and Bible reading and th- these spiritual disciplines, they will help you get victory over your sin. And they do so, right? Um, but it doesn't, doesn't necessarily work. Continues to have sin struggles. And so they add to the list of, as they get more advice and they perhaps they start participating in ministry They learn how to share their faith and they share their faith with everyone They know and they begin to serve God and the kingdom and they see some progress But then they see things and it's just back and forth and it, in time they come to someone like me because They're confused. They're discouraged They wonder if it's bad enough, you know, maybe did I did I actually get saved? Did I am I actually a Christian? You know, or did it not take the first time? Do I need to do it again? I've had people say, do I need to do it again? Do I need to say the prayer again? You know, that kind of thing. I I understand that. Uh, And then, of course, the the saddest situations are those who are just crippled with guilt over their sin. And they're on the verge of saying, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just not meant to do this and be a Christian. Have you ever had any of those kinds of experiences in your own life, in your own spiritual walk? because of struggles with sin well the process of spiritual growth wherein we become more like jesus christ where our lives reflect reflect more and more the holiness of god and the fruit of the spirit is known as sanctification that's our wonderful word for today A, a concept in the bible that is extremely important it's all throughout the scriptures this idea as god says be holy for i am holy Right? Sanctification. In the New Testament, New Testament is written in the Greek language originally. The, the word for sanctification is hagiosmos. And, and the simple definition of hagiosmos is to dedicate or consecrate something to God for his use. When it's, when it's talking about a human being, it's to, to dedicate yourself or to consecrate yourself to God for essentially his service in some way. Now, while that, that basic, simple definition, you're going to find it in every lexicon or biblical dictionary, is true, as you find it in, within the scriptures associated along with that idea of dedicating and consecrating ourselves to God for his service, there's normally attached to that meaning a moral or ethical component, right? So you see it in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, for this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. You'll often in the scriptures find this association with sanctification yes we are giving our bodies now belong to god for his use for his service we're consecrated to god and since we're consecrated to god we are now classified as a holy possession of god god sees us as his 
holy children. And therefore, what is true about us in the eyes of God in heaven is to be worked out and become reality on earth. And so there's this moral, ethical uh, association with the word. Jerry Bridges is one of my favorite Christian writers on anything to do with the idea of sanctification, of of the transformation of our character by the Holy Spirit, of of anything to do at all with living by grace as Christians. All of his books, I've read, I think, most of his books. Phenomenal. He he, he puts all this, the simple definition, what you find into the Bible, and into what we would just call basically a a doctrinal statement, or or what is the doctrine of sanctification. And he writes that sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit in us, whereby our inner being is progressively changed, freeing us more and more from sinful traits and developing within us over time the virtues of Christ-like character. Get it? Nod your head. See what this means? Okay. This is an important word. And you can understand why a proper understanding of sanctification is important. Otherwise, you may end up being discouraged and confused and even doubting do you belong to the family of God because of ongoing sin that is in your life and so when we understand this word it helps us clear up our confusion about ongoing sin it helps us to understand the importance and the role of the spiritual disciplines of being involved in God's family and in his church of of being involved in biblical community it helps us to to put those things in their proper place. And most importantly, when we properly understand sanctification, it provides us with the right motivation to pursue holiness, to be like Jesus Christ. So the good news this morning is that this sermon is not going to be as long as it was going to be as of about 4.30 this morning, okay? Because, I mean, uh, this chapter is a phenomenal chapter, 2 Peter 1, 1 to 11. There's so much here that can help us to understand and better understand the dynamics of sanctification. And so, so guys, those of you who are in seminary, let's let me say, if you're ever going to be a pastor, do not go to bed on Saturday night if you do not have complete peace with your sermon, because going to bed is just a waste of time, okay? And so finally, about 4.30 this morning, as I was tossing and turning, I was just like, you know what? We're going to do sanctification for two weeks. And all that stuff that I cut out and is on the floor of my office and that I wanted to include, I'm going to bring it back in. And so instead of having one probably too long sermon on this morning uh, with a lot of stuff left out, hopefully we can have two too long sermons with everything included. Okay, no, no, hopefully it won't be too long. All right. So this morning we're going to have two gospel applications from this passage as it relates to sanctification. First of all, in verses one and two, God's saving grace through Jesus is the foundation for our sanctification. You know, verses one and two remind us in some ways of what we covered last week with the sermon on the word works. That we are saved by God's grace, not by our works. We are justified. In this verses one and two, it talks about us having the righteousness of God in Christ, right? This is justification. We are justified by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. When God looks at us, because of his saving grace, 
He sees righteous sons and daughters of God because Jesus died for us. And so, in a real sense, because of that saving grace that we now have, we have a common bond with this uh, group of people, the people of Asia Minor, the early church that Peter is writing to. We have this common bond with them, as he talks about in verses 1 and 2, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. We, like them, have received God's saving grace. We talked a lot about that word grace last week. Let me just do a quick reminder, because it's important for us to know this as we are talking about sanctification, because what we're going to realize is that, you know, God saves us by his grace, but here's the newsflash, God sanctifies us by his grace. So we always have to understand what does that word grace mean, and we all have our Sunday school definitions that we learned as children, that it's God's unmerited favor, or that it's God giving us that which we do not deserve. But as we pointed out last week, while there's nothing wrong with those definitions, they don't actually go far enough. Grace is not less than those definitions, but grace is a lot more than that. And so even when we use those simple definitions, we need to always have the caveat in the back of our mind. It helps fill them out. Yes, grace is God's unmerited favor, but it is, grace, God, it is God's unmerited favor because Jesus merited it for us on the cross through his atonement. Yes, it is God giving us that which we do not deserve because God gave Jesus that which we do deserve, his wrath and his judgment of our sins. So we have to remember this, what grace is all about. But here's the thing when we talk about God's grace. I think for many of us, God's grace is this kind of nebulous attribute of God, right? Where, okay, he loves us. You know, it's, it's warm, fuzzy feelings that God has towards us. It's, you know, a good disposition and attitude towards us. It's rainbows and unicorns and unending skittles, right? I mean, it's just this kind of general sense of affection towards us. And while that's all true, except for the unicorns and skittles, right? I mean, all of that is true, God's grace is much more than that. In the Bible, God's grace is action, God's action toward us for our good and for his glory. And that's what God's grace is in the Bible. So when God saves us, he is moving towards us in his grace for our good. When God strengthens us, he is moving towards us you know, for our good. When he encourages us, when he protects us, when he matures us, God is moving towards us, intervening in our lives, interjecting himself in our lives for our good and ultimately for his glory. And this can bring up some difficult questions. So last, yesterday, I was taking Catherine to the airport. She's with her family, uh, her mom and dad, for the next few days, and, and we were talking about God's grace and, and this idea that what about the discipline of God? 
Is God's discipline, God moving toward us for our good and for his glory? And the mind bender is that yes, when, when God disciplines us, he's actually acting on our behalf for our good. It's hard to see it like this, but God's discipline of us is actually a wonderful manifestation of his love and his grace for us. And so we were talking about that, and it's like, boy, that doesn't necessarily always feel right. may not feel like he's moving towards us and it's good. And, and so the word that I want you to associate with this idea is, is the word parenting, okay? Parenting. All of us, I think, we either had... Hopefully, those of you who are, you are or you know loving parents who discipline their children, right? Some of us know people that we wish they would discipline their children. <laughs> but we all know good parents who love their children and they discipline them. Here's the thing about good parental discipline. It can either be pleasant or it can be what? Painful. But... When discipline, whether it's painful or pleasant, when it comes from a loving parent, the intention of that discipline is to teach and to train and to guide that child to a better future, right? And so when you do this as parents, you do it any number of ways. You, you discipline your children and, that, and train them and teach them and guide them, and all that is what is contained in that word discipline, right? And so sometimes it's pleasant. You're encouraging them. You're praising them when they, you know, live and, and honor God with their lives. Uh, you teach them and you sit them down and you explain and you give them the word of God and the gospel and, and, and then all that normal stuff like don't touch the hot stove, you know, and, and go to McDonald's, not Burger King, and all that kind of stuff that you, that we that's a form of discipline where we're teaching them and guiding them and 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 if you like burger king i'm sorry i offended you i don't mean to okay right. that's all pleasant but then there's the painful kind right some of us we we understand that painful we were on the receiving end of that from our parents i know wilson was and uh and i was right we had that painful aspect of discipline and but you know what it was done out of love for our good and whether it's taking privileges away or time out, whatever form of discipline it is, it's always painful to the children. And you're doing it, why? Because you love them and you want what's good for them. Well, the same thing is true for God. God is doing the exact same thing with us. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That word in verse 12 teaches us to say no. That's the word discipline. It disciplines us. The grace of God disciplines us. It trains us. It teaches us to say no to what is evil and sinful and wrong, both in our world and within the desires of our own fallen human nature, and it teaches and trains us, it disciplines the grace of God does, to live controlled, upright, holy lives. And God does this in positive ways and painful ways. He puts you into a church. 
where you can sit under the teaching of God's word, where you can fellowship with other Christians. He puts you into a, a discipleship group where you can grow deeper. He puts a mentor in your life who helps you learn the importance of being involved in God's word and prayer and personal worship. He, he, he does all of these different things. He encourages you. He convicts you when you sin. All of these are pleasant forms of God's gracious discipline. And then, of course, there's the painful kind. And this is what Catherine and I were really talking about, the, the painful kind, like, you know, brothers and sisters around the world who are experiencing persecution for their faith. So, so not all of God's discipline is because of sin. And so persecution comes, or trials and tribulations come. And, and, and these are, are forms of God's gracious discipline because he knows there's something in us that needs to be changed so that we will become more like Christ. And then, of course, there's the painful things that are associated with sin, the consequences of sin that God may allow us to experience, or even the chastisement of God that comes our way. It's important that we understand and that we begin right here with this reminder of what God's grace actually is before we jump into sanctification the reason why that's so important is because if we don't understand that god's grace is the foundation for both our salvation and our sanctification when it comes to this idea of pursuing holiness we will naturally revert back to a performance mentality and we will try to earn God's favor and his blessings and his goodwill through our pursuit of holiness, through our service to God and the good works that we talked about last week. At best, if our sanctification isn't grounded in our justification, right? Who we are in Christ before God who we are in Christ, right? If it's not grounded in that, our Christian experience will be the, what I described earlier on at the very beginning of the message. At some point, we will grow discouraged. We will wonder, what is wrong with me? Why am I always sinning like this? Why am I in this addiction? Why? And, and our life will become very you know, miserable in some respects. And that happens because we're pursuing holiness without understanding the importance of who we are in Jesus Christ before God right now as sons and daughters accepted by him. That's the best case. The worst case scenario, here's what happens. When our, when our sanctification is not grounded in who we are, the reality of who we are in Christ, our justification, when that's the situation, for some of us, we will just simply slide into legalism and more and more we will begin to resemble the Pharisees. That's what happens when sanctification is not grounded in justification. I mentioned Jerry Bridges a moment ago. Jerry Bridges has an illustration that he gives, and I'm going to give it to you this morning. If you're wondering what all these books are here, no, these are not to be given away. Jerry Bridges says... This concept of sanctification, think of it like your bookshelf. We've all had bookshelves, right, where, where you have a book stacked up and, you know, and, and at some point they fall over, right? And, and so what do you have to do? You, you get a bookend and you 
you know, you force it and so that it'll all stand up. And he said, well, in the same way, here's what happens to us as Christians. You know, we, 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 we come to Christ, we know because, you know, we've been counseled and we've heard it and preached and all that, man, I, I need to be reading my Bible every day. If I want to be holy, if I want to be someone who honors God and is used by God, I need, I need to read my Bible every day. Down comes a book, right? And, and certainly, you know, prayer is important. And, and then, of course, as, as important as it is that we are personally worshiping God on a daily basis in the quiet of our home or wherever, it's equally important that we worship God together corporately. Because God does things in our lives corporately as we worship and fellowship and sit under the word and pray together. He, he strengthens us and feeds us and sanctifies us in different ways corporately than he does privately. So, so this is, man, got to have that, right? And then, of course, how about a small group, right? Need to be doing that. And giving, like tithing, stewarding, all those things, that's important, right? Just don't forget. And how about sharing our faith? Man, that, I mean, if you're a sanctified, blood-bought Christian, you know, you, you should be, you should be do, doing those things, right? All that should be in place. Or how about, oh my, let me get this down here. You know, how about, you know, serving in the nursery? Because that's such a delight for all of us to do, right? But hey, it needs to be done, right? Or, you know, volunteer for our youth ministry. Ah, you see what's happening? We need a bookend. We need a bookend. So Jerry Bridges says, trying to pursue sanctification without an important bookend is a futile effort. We need the bookend of understanding who we are in Jesus Christ. That we are accepted by God through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Purely that, right there, that's it. That's the basis of our acceptance. Who we are in Jesus Christ is an indispensable bookend that helps all of these important things that are ordinary means of God's grace to us to actually bear fruit. Because if you do all of these things without totally, just fully believing and trusting who you are in Christ, this just becomes religious activity that does not produce spiritual fruit and growth and maturity. It's religious busy work, like what the Pharisees did. And it's done in order to honor or to, to be accepted by God. So we must understand and believe that God's grace and blessing and his favor towards us is not increased or decreased one bit because of how well we do in these spiritual disciplines and activities. We have all of God's favor and love and grace that we can ever have because they were bought for us by Jesus Christ on the cross. And that is acceptance of us and his pleasure in you this week was not based upon how well you defeated that besetting sin that you've been struggling with. 
And if you had a good week, he's not more pleased with you and loving you more and giving you more blessings and grace than he did the week before when it just seemed like it was one step forward and three steps back in that battle. Not a bit. Church, this bookend is so important. I can't stress it enough. Here's why. Those of you who don't know me very well, those of you who know me well, you know this, but those of you who don't know me very well, here's the deal. I am a recovering legalist. I'm a recovering Pharisee. I mean, it, it, was, it was ingrained in me from childhood and the churches and the people that I was part of. And, and it, it's just, man, it is so easy for me to think that God can't use me in this situation because, man, I mean, just what was I thinking just 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago? It's so easy for me to think that in some way I've disappointed God. He's just, man, man, if that Jerry Clem, if he would just get his act together, you know? So easy for me to go there, to think that God's blessings on my life and God's favor and his grace will come to me because of how I am not sinning or how I am sinning and how I'm being faithful to my spiritual disciplines or because of the way I'm serving him. This is a regular struggle for me, which is why, guys, I have to preach this bookend to myself sometimes multiple times a day. Multiple times a day. And I'll tell you one thing, when I don't preach this to myself and I don't constantly keep it in the front of my mind, it's amazing how I can have spiritual amnesia and forget how important this is. And when I don't dwell on this, my life just goes helter-skelter. Not good. We do not earn his favor and blessing and power by pursuing our sanctification. We already have it in Jesus Christ. Say that with me. I already have it. Say it. I already have it. You got it. It is immutable. It's unchangeable. It's eternal. And it's not going to be influenced in how, by how well you do or don't do in pursuing holiness and service to the Lord. All right. Second application. I told you I had a lot. I mean, that's the first point, and I basically am almost out of sermon time, okay? So the second one, though, will be much shorter. The power of Christ through the indwelling Holy Spirit enables our sanctification, right? The first, God's grace to us in justification is the foundation of our sanctification. Secondly, the power of Christ through the indwelling Holy Spirit enables our sanctification. Church, there's no sanctification without the ministry and presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Not at all. Can't happen. This is part of what he does. It's part of his role. It is actually the Holy Spirit who personally transforms us into the image of Jesus Christ. God ordained that transformation. The scriptures teach us that. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. God, he foreknew us. He, set, he decided to set his love upon us before the foundations of the world, this God who did this also predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. It's the Holy Spirit who then carries out 
this predestined uh, outcome in our lives. The scriptures tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. His ministry in us brings about this internal transformation. And it's, he's so involved in it that Paul, in Galatians chapter 5, calls this transformation the fruit of the what? Spirit, right? So the Spirit is the one who transforms us. It is the Spirit within us who gives us the power of Christ to say no to ungodliness and sin and yes to godliness and walking in righteousness. It's the Spirit that Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5 that if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He's the one who gives us the power to reject sin, to live for Christ. So let's, let's go back to our, our bookshelf for a second here, okay? Now let's, I'm going to take out this big, thick version of Louis Burkhoff, which acts as its own bookend in, in and of itself, right? Okay? Uh, you know, now those of us who are maybe, you know, kind of not as cultured, our bookshelves, we buy the cheap little tin ones, right? And we shove all the books on one end, and then we shove that little cheap tin one in at the end. But those of you who are more cultured and refined, right, you, you do what? You have two bookends, don't you? You have two bookends. And you put one at one end and, and one at the other end. I guess I should turn these around. Oops, so you, there you go, see? So you can see. I got these in, in Africa back in the 80s, so I've had these for a long time, right? And handmade in Kenya. And so those of you who, you know, you have two bookends, right? We need both bookends in our Christian walk. We need them both. We need this bookend of who we are in Christ, our position in Christ. We have to understand this. But we also have this other bookend of the power of Christ that comes through the Holy Spirit. Both of these bookends working together is what makes all of these spiritual disciplines and activity and worship and small groups and evangelism and the tithing and the giving to missions and all of these other things that are good and part of the good works that have been ordained before the foundations of the world that we carry out. These two bookends are what make these things transform us on the inside as the Holy Spirit uses it. Do you understand this, church? That if we try to live the Christian life without the power of God, there it goes. It falls down. It can't happen. We will say yes to ungodliness and no to holiness without the power of Christ. We won't see fruit in our ministry without the power of the Holy Spirit power of Christ and how the Holy Spirit brings that to us, right? I mean, Paul says this. It's a verse that we all know well. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, right? This is what we know from the scriptures. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Paul's confidence is not in himself. 
It's not in his own ability, it's in God. He's not relying upon himself. He's relying upon the Holy Spirit who is in him. And this is critical. This is why, you know, we are to, to surrender and to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, now here's, here's what's interesting about these bookends, right? They have something in common, don't they? They look the same. <laughs> they go together and they look the same. And, and that, that, that common appearance unifies those two bookends so that they work, in, you know, they, they, they work for you. You can put them up and display, right? Well, how about these two spiritual bookends? You know, we depend on our position in Christ, or we have our position in Christ, and we have our power in Christ. The thing that unifies them is one single word, dependence. Dependence. I depend on who I am in Jesus Christ to, to be before God and to enjoy his favor and his blessings and his grace, right? This is what's so critical. And, and here's what I want you to carry away with you this morning. That to enjoy God's sanctifying grace, listen, he has predestined us to be transformed in the image of Jesus Christ. And listen, that journey, it can be extremely painful and frustrating, or it can be something that is more pleasant. It's not always pain-free, but it can certainly be less difficult, more pleasant, where we experience that, that, that presence of God in our lives and him using us and changing us. And so this word dependence is important. To enjoy this sanctifying grace, depend on your position in Christ before God and depend on the power of Christ that comes to us through the Holy Spirit. It is there. All the power that we are ever going to receive, it is there. Depend on it. Trust in it. Trust that when we come humbly before our Heavenly Father, and we ask for Him to give us this power, to use us for His glory, to help us to say no to what's ungodly and wrong and yes to what is upright and righteous. Depend that He who is faithful will give us this power at the very moment and time of need. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the opportunity just to begin digging into this word sanctification. And Lord Jesus, we so appreciate that both bookends of this spiritual journey come about because you took our place on the cross. You atoned for our sins. You purchased for us this grace that God can now give us because of your sacrifice. Help us. Help us to live in the beauty and the fullness of who we are in you before our Heavenly Father. Help us not to rely upon ourselves. Help us to reject self-reliance and self-righteousness and self-goodness and self-works and help us instead to depend upon you, Lord Jesus, so that we may experience your presence and your power in a very tangible, real way as we go about life so that we can be used by you to bring your goodness and your gospel to those who need it. In your name I pray these things. Amen.